Hi, this is Dr. Ellen Vora, and today we'll be mapping anxiety on the 15-minute matrix. Welcome to the 15-Minute Matrix. I'm Andrea Nakayama, functional medicine nutritionist and your host. This is the podcast that brings you bite-sized insights and lessons on how to use the most important tool in functional medicine and functional nutrition. Today on the 15-Minute Matrix, I'll be speaking with the very lovely Dr. Ellen Vora. Ellen Vora, MD, graduated from Columbia University Medical School, received her BA in English from Yale University, and she's a board-certified psychiatrist, medical acupuncturist, and yoga teacher. Dr. Vora takes a functional medicine approach to mental health, considering the whole person and addressing imbalance at the root rather than reflexively prescribing medication. In addition to her private practice, Dr. Vora is also a writer, speaker, and consultant for two healthcare startups, and I'm lucky to consider her a friend. I think you'll see why as you sink into this critical conversation with us today. Ellen, I'm super excited to have you here on the 15-Minute Matrix. Andrea, it's so good to be here. I love talking to you. I had the opportunity to sit and have a meal with you, and I know we can talk all day. And this topic is so important right now. We're talking about anxiety, and I'm wondering how you would define anxiety for practitioners? Yeah, in a way, I've moved away from defining it. I Mm. defer to my patient's subjective experience in a sense, both because these days, many people are already identifying with anxiety, so I'm never going to invalidate that. But I also don't necessarily want to put the idea in someone's mind if they're not already identifying with it, (laughs) even if it looks to me like it could check every box in a diagnostic statistical manual diagnosis. I think that at this point, it's a subjective experience. That's such a good point that we have to identify with what they're saying, what the patient is saying. And I think that I've had both situations, one where somebody's saying I have and they're they're over identifying with their anxiety. And then conversely, I've had people who I'm working with around digestive distress, and they don't talk about their anxiety. And yet it's very obvious that they're experiencing anxiety or acting in a way that appears anxious to me. Yeah, but these labels can be very powerful. So So in those cases, I would rather give someone the tools for how to move through that emotion rather than let them start to ponder like, oh, oh, I have a I have mental illness. So I'm careful with doling out the term. Yeah. When you think about anxiety and you see how people are self-identifying and you also know from your clinical experience, where does it live in our bodies? Mm, I love that. It lives throughout our bodies. Yeah. Certainly people have places where they might carry the lion's share, like the way we talk about the gut being about 80% of the residents of our immune system. I think that a lot of people carry a lot of their emotions in the gut. Um, Some people carry a lot of stress, like in their neck and shoulders or their lower back. But I see many women carry it sort of in their reproductive organs. Mm. I see people carry it really anywhere that has a psycho-spiritual blockage for them. Talk more about that psycho-spiritual blockage. How do you look at that and work with people through that? Sure. Say somebody had a really traumatic injury at some point and they felt 
powerless or unempowered or disenfranchised at some point of the process of managing that injury. Sometimes you can find that that, say it was like someone hurt their knee, then there can be a lot of emotion stored in the knee or something I see very commonly as someone who had an emergency C-section and that there was a lot tied up in that birth experience. Um, then that scar itself can be a place where a lot of emotion is held. When we're trying to move through that, are you working with talk? Are you working with diet and lifestyle therapy? How are you helping somebody to kind of detox the emotion that's held in that arena? It really varies. Sometimes I will do acupuncture to help open up the flow of chi or energy through that part of the body. Sometimes I'll do a little bit of something that more approximates Reiki or an energy work. And then sometimes I'm just encouraging the patient to go home and dance or move through and basically start to listen to their body and let their body move in a way that feels good. And then you can see that they're releasing some of that stuck energy. Yeah, it's so important right now that we move and we release. I've been thinking a lot about this time that we're in right now with this pandemic as a big trigger that we are going to see living in people's bodies moving forward. I'm wondering what kind of sentiments people are reaching out to you with right now. Yeah, it's been really interesting. My patient panel, where a lot of folks suffer from anxiety, I was anticipating that this was going to be just a really severe uptick in everybody's anxiety symptoms. And what I saw in my practice was actually the opposite, that people who have had a chronic sense of doom or anticipatory anxiety, they're almost feeling vindicated in some way. They're like, this is what I've been sensing. Right. So they kind of feel like now I understand it. Now it's a known quantity to a certain extent, at least. Whereas in my platform or places where I have a following, I've seen people come out of the woodwork who have a new anxiety right now, who were not necessarily struggling with clinical anxiety, who are now feeling really anxious, struggling with insomnia. So it, it's almost been that you're seeing new cases of anxiety and people that have been coping with anxiety for years. In certain ways, I've seen almost a little bit of, I've been preparing my whole life for this kind of attitude among my patients with anxiety. Yeah, it's, it's interesting to think about the portions of our population that are now going, you see, you see what it's like for me every day. And I find that that's been the population that does identify as anxious. And also, I've been thinking about the population who has a cancer diagnosis or some other diagnosis that can be fatal and living with the unknown of what every day brings. And we're all in that place now of both having what does tomorrow bring for us? What does this mean for me? And the anxiety that can come from that. How are you speaking to the broader audience who's sort of coming out of the woodwork, identifying with, ah, I'm anxious? Yeah, it, in the very smallest sense, I'm just engaging with people's comments on Instagram or things like that. But I've also opened up my practice. I now have a lot of groups going. So sort of large pay what you can donation based online groups where it's holistic approaches to mental health and support at the same time around coronavirus. And I just had my first of those today this morning. And it was really interesting to see part of what people wanted was really just camaraderie and to to basically find a venue where they felt comfortable saying, here is how coronavirus is affecting me. And they wanted to know, am I alone in this? Can I talk about this? It's not as bad as what other people are going through. So I feel guilty talking about it. But I also need to process the ways that this has been challenging. And when you are speaking to them then about the holistic approaches to their anxiety, what 
is that? Is it the listening ear? Is it the coming together as a community? We too opened up our practice for group sessions. I really want to applaud you and all the practitioners who are doing that right now. It's so necessary for us to think about the ripple effect and how we address it now and really give people that forum. But in those holistic approaches to anxiety, what does that actually mean that you're dispensing in terms of recommendations in addition to what you said, the movement or the shaking off, especially since you can't do acupuncture right now? <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's increasingly difficult over Zoom. I think that <laughs> I sort of discern it into two types. There's what I call false anxiety, which is taken from Julia Ross's book, The Mood Cure, mm-hmm. where she talks about false moods. So there's false anxiety and there's real anxiety. And false anxiety are all of these ways that we, our bodies get tripped into a stress response unnecessarily. And it's preventing And so that's where I like to play Mr. Fix-It and say, hey, could we be preventing blood sugar swings? Could you replete the nutrition um, that your body needs? Could we get you uninflamed? Could we heal your gut? Maybe you're sensitive to caffeine. Could we decrease it or eliminate it? Maybe alcohol is not serving you. Maybe you're chronically sleep deprived. All these different ways, like an Epsom salt bath or just a good repletion of magnesium levels. All these ways that we can just disburden the body of unnecessary stress responses and unnecessary false anxiety. And then there's true anxiety which I don't think is pathologic at all. And that's where it's when something is really going on in the world and you want to feel it. You don't want to medicate that away. You couldn't possibly suppress it with nutrition even if you tried to. How do we channel that anxiety? And I think that rather than just kind of getting stuck in an eddy of panic and fear, can we sublimate it? Can we have it be something that fuels us to show up on the mat and meditate, listen for what's being asked of us? How can we make our contribution? How can we show up in service? How can we express express what's alive in ourselves so that we can share our own unique insights. What you're saying there is so important because I think that there's a lot of don'ts and shoulds right now, like you should sleep and don't stress out. And what you're saying is that we can, we have permission to do that. How do we take that permission to feel the feels and move it into the purpose that fuels or or drives us. I mean, it it sounds like that's unique to each individual. And it's really getting into the work you probably do one on one, where you're uncovering the why behind that feeling. But is there anything I'm missing there? Yeah, I think you said it like it is super unique. I think that probably the most important part of it is license to let yourself feel that way. Mm -hmm. And for everyone, it's a little bit of a different like how we show up and how we listen. For me, I have two ways that work for my own body. I have to show up in stillness and silence and meditate and just listen in a very open-ended way. And then I need to dance. And that's where so much energy moves through me. And I sort of truths are revealed to me in that format. But for some of my patients, they need to draw or write poetry or paint or sing or chant or walk in nature. You know, it can look like a lot of different things, but it's basically your medium. What is the place where you, you can be a shower, you know, <laughs> Right. Wherever you feel like things kind of percolate through your unconscious and um, and you're giving your unconscious an opportunity to communicate and to speak up and you're listening and, and honoring what comes up. I really just appreciate the distinction between the false and the true, because with the false, we can look at it through that functional physiological approach of what are all the things I can do to calm my body down and calm the chemical inside my body that's contributing to anxiety. But then the true anxiety, you're saying, feel it, it's not your enemy. 
that there's some gold in there that is going to give us more of our life's purpose. How did you come to that realization and recognize that you could help others find that silver lining? You know, it's a little bit indirect, but for me, it really happened when I was pregnant. And I had to admit, I went my whole life kind of a self-loathing misogynist, or I just always felt like it was harder to be a woman and that it wasn't fair. And when I was pregnant, I stumbled into the Golden Bridge Kundalini storefront and Gormuk, the sort of head of the Golden Bridge Kundalini world, she put her hand on my belly and she said, girl or boy? And I said, it's a girl. And she said, ah, it's harder, but it's a higher calling. Mm. And for me, everything clicked into place there. And I recognized that when, for those of us, like for if it's being a woman is harder, or if it's being sensitive or being an artist or someone very intuitive, it's a high, it's a, it's a burden. It's a liability in many ways to be very tuned, very sensitively. But then it's also an asset and a high calling and a duty where you actually are playing a role for our for humankind, where you're going to be more sensitive, and that's going to make some things harder. But you're going to have certain truths that you really are in a unique position to share with the world. And so I just want to encourage people to listen for those truths and express themselves, because it actually helps all of us. And it certainly helps the sensitive folks kind of move through, rather than just let this be a a secret burden. Mm, I I have goosebumps right now, because I think that anxiety is often associated with that what if, woe is me, I can't, this is the big mountain I need to climb. And what you're saying is, yes, you get to Mm. climb that mountain. And where are the riches? I know we're in a particular time of anxiety right now. And it likely is going to last for a little bit longer here. And like I said, become embedded in our bodies in some way. What are the messages that you have for us about acute versus chronic patterns of anxiety? Hmm. I think that it's like a lot like grief. It's going to be nonlinear and it's going to behave like water. And so that there will be times when you're calmer and times when a tidal wave comes out of nowhere and you just kind of let it flow through and not resist it and trust that you can ride it. What's happening right now, it's really complicated. I think what's being asked of us is to hold two simultaneous truths, which is that something very grave and serious is happening with profound loss, with a lot of sadness, a lot of struggle and a lot of suffering. And you hold that and at the same time maintain some semblance of meaning or curiosity as to like what is happening here what is being asked of us what are ways that we can learn and grow from this and change in how we're in relationship to technology to nature to each other and i think that i'm basically encouraging people to feel their own like the ways that their body is responding to the anxiety that's just in the air right now, Mm -hmm. but to not necessarily to be very conscious about their information diet and not necessarily just be swept along with the sort of sensationalizing media right now, which I think is selling a brand of fear and panic that isn't necessarily serving us. So beautifully said, Ellen. Are there any other final notes that you would like to share with coaches and clinicians listening to your sound advice today? I think we're in a moment where 
any way that we can offer a non-judgmental listening ear to people who just need to feel witnessed in the way this is personally affecting them, whether it's very grand or very small. I think there's many people that just have a lot to process right now. It's a privilege that we get to hold space for that. I agree. It's an opportunity. I wish I could dance with you in a pink tutu, which we can't (laughs) do right now. But one day, I hope that we can eat again, dance a new time. And uh, I look forward to future conversations, Ellen. Thank you so much. Me too, Andrea. Thank you. The 15-Minute Matrix is brought to you by me, Andrea Nakayama, and the Functional Nutrition Alliance. The 15-Minute Matrix team includes music by my son, Gilbert Nakayama, and production support from Renee Hunt, Natalie Merrill, and Christine Shook, along with sound production by Rowan Bradley. You can visit us and hear more episodes at 15minutematrix.com. And if you'd like to be notified each time there's a new podcast episode ready and waiting for you, please head over to 15-Minute Matrix dot com forward slash notify. We'll be sure to drop into your inbox with a super short reminder that a new episode is ready and waiting for you. Plus, you have an open invitation to email us. I'd love to hear from you. And we all want to know who you'd like to hear on the podcast and what topics you'd like to see mapped on the 15 Minute Matrix. You can email us at ask at 15minutematrix.com. 